is okay. All right, so I've been thinking about the topic of Yahweh for about a year now. First mentioned with a talk um, I did with Demarcus and kind of planted the seed there, and it's been in the back of my mind. And recently in the Asheville group, we studied session 18 where they talk about Yahweh a lot, and it just brought up even more questions. So I've decided to read as much Kuo and Ra to kind of piece together the whole puzzle piece, I guess, of the Yahweh concept. So come up with about 50 slides here of what I've pieced together. And so it starts with Yahweh and the Earth experiment here on our lovely planet. So I got everything from the LNL Research page. So all credits go to LNL Research. And I want to just give huge gratitude and praise to Don, one of the first original seekers. And then Don met Carla there in the middle and Jim. And they channeled the raw contact. And now we have Jim and the surviving or the rest of the new members there on the far right. So huge thanks to them. So moving to our whole entire galaxy or milky way you can see that we are just a very small dot and i would even say the dot on there covers our entire solar system and on a bbc article i read on july 25th it said that in our galaxy there's about a little over 3900 suns that have planets orbiting them so they're considered a solar system but there's actually about 200 billion stars in total in our galaxy. And then of these galaxies, there's actually estimated to be about 2 trillion that they can estimate through current images. And it just goes to show the number of planets and life out there. And we get this special little home here on planet Earth. So we zoomed into our little solar system and we've got our sub logos and the sun and we've had third density life so they've given the experience onto venus where it was harmonious moved pretty easily there was a lot of love and they had a pretty easy harvest then the amaldeck where they were it pretty much exploded themselves not harmonious and pretty opposite of Venus. And then moving to Mars, they had something happen with their atmosphere. And again, didn't end as harmonious as would have hoped. So now I move to Earth and we're fourth in line. We have a harmonious, you could say, brother and Venus and Ra kind of helping us through the mistakes that have happened two previous times and hope, hopefully not a third time. Saturn's mention of also having an intelligence of kind of all densities, and it's mentioned in a channeling in 2017 that there was life on Saturn. So debatable, but interesting. And then Uranus is next, and we can just, you know, take all of the experiences that happen on earth everything that we go through all the suffering every memory is important in potentially being harvested into a social memory complex and being in the position of Ra to help uranus through their cycles and hopefully not make some of the mistakes i'm gonna mention in the slides coming up so the earth experiment there is a tremendous amount of group karma having to do with the fact that so many of those who are attempting to graduate from third density on planet Earth have in the past Sirius, Deneb, Mars, Maldek, or Atlantis destroyed their environments. There is a great heart sadness amongst the entire human tribe concerning the destruction of Mother Earth. And it is very healing in your energy patterns as a people wherever you live, to become involved in loving and serving your beautiful, fragile island home. 
So this slide just goes to show the five groups that are currently trying to work through karmic problems of destroying the entire environment. So I think that's pretty significant that it's a total of five. And through just being a group that is able to meditate together and be here for the healing of Gaia, I remember that there is the Gaia meditation on the L&L page. And it used to be in the morning and nighttime, but it looks like it's been updated to 6.30 and 5.30. And if we can join that doubling call or effect is greater once more people are doing it at the same time. So just wanted to throw that out there. So back to the Earth experiment, and you may have wondered why there is such a multiplicity of takes on how to serve the creator and how to know the creator. The answer lies deep within the history of your planet and deep within the minds of the people. You have among you on planet Earth 16 different archetypical minds. They vary in seemingly small ways, yet the cultures produced by these archetypical minds very widely in the way perception works. So we got 16 different planets or 16 different groups trying to make it through this third density. Five have destroyed themselves and then 11 have just kind of finished their density and not been able to graduate and have been brought to the earth at different times. So what's special about our planet and these seemingly destructive patterns that keep playing out on Maldek, Mars, and all of the empires that have reigned, like Rome, Babylon, and kind of America now. But your sublogos has used a great deal of free will and heavy veiling so that it'll take actual effort for most people to retrieve their memory of the larger picture that moves beyond one incarnation into the grand design of the creation of itself. As you and you as citizens of eternity. So we're not saying that the creator has not gained a rich harvest of new information about itself from this particular design of creation. However, it does seem that the conditions of this design are unusually likely to produce the thought pattern of aggression in order to get one's way. Since it is so difficult to see that all are one in your third density experience and the veiling is so complete, it becomes possible for entities to contemplate ending another's life with less discomfort than if they were contemplating ending their own life. This has made it possible for entities to become habituated to the destruction of other selves. So in this oneness and completely veiled situation, we find it easier just to kill the other self and we see it as more of a wrongdoing or harder to end our own lives. All right, so now moving into the Yahweh and historical part of the earth. And Quo says this multiple times, but a reminder that when any situation enters a stream of history, it enters a stream of mythology. What has remained are stories that catch the emotion, the energy, and the main points of history. Those who are in power and thus able to tell the story with the loudest voice will look at a situation which has gone before in a way in which places the events in the best possible way. The telling of the story with the loudest voice is something that occurs at all times in all phases of history. So your peoples see Yahweh as a god or the god, but within another mythological system, this entity is a guardian. And Yahweh did among your people what was in what was within history and yet also along the quality of the thought that has no place within history. So I think they're saying that Yahweh both worked within space-time and time-space. And when you're working within time-space, it doesn't exactly correlate to space-time with history moving in a linear fashion. So it's hard to say exactly when the beings of higher densities come and influence and do things on planet earth it they can't exactly say it's within a 
time frame that we can put it in exactly in history. So the entity which you have called Yahweh within the framework of the culture to which it came was God itself. However, that personality, which is often termed Jehovah or Yahweh, was perhaps what you might call an angelic entity. So the entity known as Yahweh is an inner planes entity as opposed to an extraterrestrial entity. It is an essence native to this particular sun system, which has been involved in the guardianship of the Earth sphere for thousands of year millennia. The entity Yahweh is not from Arcturus, but rather, as all angelic entities are, is part of the energy involved in your sun body and is not in any way, shape, or form that which has been incarnate, but rather it is of the angelic realm. So this slide channeled by Carla in 2006 with Jim asking the questions. And this, I was trying to figure out, is Yahweh a social memory complex that formed on a planet and they are the same kind of being as Ra? Or what do they mean that they're just an inner planes entity that hasn't been incarnate? So I think that they're a higher density angelic group consciousness that works with the sun and the harvest of the planets in our solar system. And they have the same kind of say in the confederation as Ra and those upper sixth, seventh density beings. So they still report to the council. They haven't been incarnate, but they have a similar role in the confederation of planets and angels, you could say. So two different ways to evolve, I guess. So Yahweh, it was a combination of both male and female energies. Rather than creating a hermaphroditic entity, it holds the energies of male and female in sacred dynamic. One might call the entity Adam and Eve, but it is both Adam and Eve. It is ironic in the extreme that this entity is responsible for creating conditions which the male aspect of the species has become so unbalanced in its dominancy over the female. So, a little bit of an idea who Yahweh is now, and they've been kind of helping with the guardianship and transfer of souls and harvests in planets and get a mention about them with Mars and the entities of Mars made some decisions in the practice of governments, which resulted in the nature of the surface changing from a planet, which was relatively hospitable to third density to a planet, which was not hospitable at all. The Guardians decided to create the new and improved version of the great ape body used by the denizens of Mars, thereafter used by entering souls from planet Earth. So what I got from Mars is that they had governments similar to ours that were set up in power for the rich and the power to the military, and they ended up setting off hydrogen bombs and destroying the atmosphere. And so now we see this in our current study of the atmosphere. And we got Elon Musk here saying, let's go back to Mars and fix it up so that we can live there because we're doing the same thing here on earth and we can't figure it out here. So I found uh, channeling back in 1986 that I thought was interesting to include based on the following slide after this. They say uh, they channel an entity called Manka who was channeled by someone else that Carla was reading and Carla ended up connecting with Manka and said, are you the same Manka that I read about that was dealing with Mars and the transfer of souls? And they said, actually, yes. Our relationship is that of brothers and sisters within the Confederation of Planets in the service of the One Creator. We have worked closely with Yahweh for a great span of what you would call time, most especially in the transfer of souls from Mars to this planet. 
We attempted in that role to be of what service possible as the population of that planet moved into its third density experience. It was not our proper role to save that population from the tribulations that it chose for its experience. Thus, we guided where possible and sent light where possible and healed those wounds we were asked to heal. So I found this interesting because Monka, it, it's a source saying that something or someone worked with Yahweh in the transfer of souls and they weren't working alone. So they had some beings of the confederation that were helping them. And the last part they're saying we got it where possible and sent light where possible and healed the wounds that we were asked to heal. And I think that's similar to Ra staying outside and saying, hey, we're just going to give and guide those beings that can hear our call. We're going to give them information and kind of stay out of it because it's not right for us to fix what they've created. So I think that's a tactic by the confederation to kind of stay out of things but there was also a disagreement after this happened and a difference of opinion that many other confederation entities and guardians felt appropriate to then voice the feeling that the free will of the entities of mars had been abridged too much emphasis had been placed upon their superiority in ways compared to their previous experience on mars this then necessitated that they place the planet under quarantine and any further social memory complexes would have to be approved to come in to not mess with the energy of the planet. So Yahweh became aware that this wasn't cool. There was the disagreement and it wasn't what they had hoped for. So the entity moved into a time, a space of deep and devotional meditation and prayer asking how it could begin to make amends for the mistakes it made. So Yahweh realized made a mistake with the DNA transfer and sat meditation, tried to think of other ways to help the humans and make mistakes or fix the mistake that it made. So moving to the raw material, session 18 starts with Don asking, can you tell me how Yahweh communicated to Earth's people? And Ra says this is a complex question but the first communication is what you would call genetic the second communication was walking among your people to produce further genetic changes in consciousness and then third was a series of dialogues with chosen channels so yahweh is an inner planes angelic entity i believe that yahweh is within the earth inner planes as opposed to the sun to try to fix what they had done and their i'll have to move forward with the inner planes part but so the genetic changes were can you tell me what they were and how they were brought about the genetic changes were similar to what you would call the cloning process the entities incarnated in the image of Yahweh. The second was a nature of what you would know as sexual, changing the mind-body-spirit complex through natural means of the patterns of reproduction and intelligent energy. They talk about cloning and what does that mean? So there is a legitimate extraterrestrial aspect to the energy that is harmonized with inner planes thought forms, which are the templates of the genetic changes made 75,000 years ago when those of Mars came into the Earth's sphere. The distortions that have persisted in, the, in their infringement upon free will of all whose genetic codes have been changed. So one of the guardians, Yahweh, was in charge of taking the souls from mars which were in their energy bodies and moving them into the inner planes to kind of harmonize with the vibrations of the planet earth and I'm sure the planet mars is a different vibration and once they had passed and destroyed their planets they were kind of in the inner planes of mars waiting to incarnate and yahweh was like okay earth's ready let's go to earth and we'll tweak you just a little bit 
so that you have an easier go this time on earth. So Yahweh tried to put a little bit of their DNA into the inner planes, energy bodies, you could say. And that created the need for the quarantine. So what did they do? They improved the facial features a bit more carefully. They altered the body so it would be able to stand upright and that improved the dexterity of the physical vehicle, especially in the hands. The guardians also created a larger capacity within the mind. And in essence, they created a new and improved great ape body, which looked a good deal like the one you are now enjoying. What they did not anticipate was that the people themselves would feel that they were special. They were aware that their intellect was more powerful than the other great ape species that inhabited Earth at that time. They felt privileged and special, and they created within themselves the attitude of better than. So this is way back when the first beings incarnated, and through their own free will and just ability to be self-aware, they just immediately were like, we are superior and more intelligent than the natural monkey kind of caveman people. And that was the very beginning of the separation on Earth of feeling better than. So the very beginning of your 76,000-year cycle, they pop, they incarnated in the Middle East and parts of Africa. Gradually, they became known to you as the Muslims, the Jews, the Palestinians, and others of the Middle Eastern heritage. So more of the genetic changes that Yahweh has done to humans, and I thought about Yahweh and the Bible and Judaism so I wanted to see what Hebrew and Yahweh, what connection they had. And Ross or Don asked, how did the users of the sound Sanskrit and Hebrew determine what these sounds were? And Ross says, in the case of Hebrew, the entity known as Yahweh aided this knowledge through the impression upon material of genetic coding, which became language, as you call it. And then they say, the, in the case of Sanskrit, that was from the logos itself so it's less distorted if you're going to chant and vibrate the trying to i guess use sanskrit or hebrew they would say sanskrit is a little more pure so those involved in the early creation of the tongues and the writing down of them into a form of notation which you would call writing were working from the premise that their sounds were sacred and this makes them sacred it is not that there is a code involved and that there is a statistical relationship betwixt the genetic code and certain vowels or syllables. It is that the intention of those who created and notated those two languages was to create a set of sacred vibrations. So I'm guessing that the Hebrew language was genetically somehow imprinted into the first incarnate beings into Africa and the Middle East, and then became the Jews, Muslims, and Palestinians, and a, cert, a section of them, I guess, I don't, I'm not 100% on this, so I don't really want to go too far, but I'm trying to piece together, this might be a topic of conversation after, but how does Hebrew and kind of genetics, how do they work? So Quote says, when using these sacred sounds in language, you produce the sound consciously aware of the sacredness of that sound, and it brings to space the underlying time-space-oriented or non-local energies that have used that vibration throughout the universe. So the energies have been built up since the beginning of this octave of creation with thousands and thousands of lifetimes and thousands and thousands of repetitions of various sounds. So I guess Hebrew being very old, when you use the certain ritual in hebrew it's calling and the beings that have used that ritual before can hear you within the inner planes and help assist and give energy through that and on the right to image of the lesser banishing ritual that dawn and hilarious the ll team use so dawn asked 
to include the Shin in the Vanishing Ritual from yod he vau he or Yahweh, and to make it yod he shin vau he And they ask if this is helpful. And Ra says, this is helpful, especially to the instrument whose distortions vibrate greatly in congruency to the sound vibration complex. So this addition of the S-H-I-N to the name when vibrated in the, the vanishing ritual here ended up creating a better congruency and it helped with making the protection around channeling stronger. And the addition of the Shin there in the yod he bau name is to bring about a vibration of Christ consciousness or love. But I'll get into that in a little bit later. Um, I wanted to include this slide on the Anak or Anunnaki, but I don't think it's that important just to the fact to see that it's another way that Yahweh attempted to still bring about superior entities and it just hasn't worked. So Ra says 3,300 years ago, Yahweh still felt it could raise up entities which were superior to the negative forces that these superior entities could spread the law of one. The entity yod he shin came among your people and according to incarnate being and made it in the normal reproduction pattern and created larger beings. And right after they say that the Orion group was easily able to influence these larger beings and make them seem special and it just didn't work once again. So 3,600 years ago in your past, there was an influx of the Orion group. The one you call Yahweh, by genetic loading and set up the biases among these people who were in Egypt. So the Egyptians just had these natural biases in their genetics to just feel superior already. And the Orion group could see that and they were like, all right, this, this looks great. We can definitely get the elites to rule in this land and enslave others. And Don asks, what's what specifically allowed the Orions to make these inroads into society? And Ross said, specifically, those who are strong, intelligent, and have a temptation to feel different from those who are less intelligent and less strong. This is a distorted perception of oneness with other selves. So this rock quote right here made a little light bulb go off in my brain because I've been dealing with a life of addiction and recovering from alcoholic behaviors and just, you know, living a life of very confused inferiority. And I'm digging up my childhood, trying to figure out why am I such a mess right now? And I've, my brother is this very extremely smart, just Harvard level guy who's aced all of his tests and had a pretty easy life in the field of just college and whatnot. And my dad is this Jewish background elite. If you don't have a PhD, you aren't as smart as you're not, not, you're just not as good if you don't have a PhD and definitely looks down on people and has a spiritual pride to him. And I was like, okay, so the inroad of strong, intelligent, we have a Jewish background and I don't know, start starting to make light bulbs go off a little bit. And so this intelligent feeling better than someone that's lesser is what allowed the Orion group. And this allowed the concept of the holy war. I guess moving on to the prophets, the third way of communication that Yahweh continued to fix their mistake. And Quo says that Yahweh falls short of expressing what we would understand to be the more obvious characteristics of the creative principle. How could a creative principle set one entity over another when all things are one? 
And they said that Yahweh was a powerful force acting through entities such as Moses, Joshua, and Abraham. So to the Ten Commandments, I'm pretty sure we all know this from reading the law one, but the Orion's kind of added on to what the original Yahweh said. And that kind of seems to be the staple of the negatives is to play off of something positive, make it seem like it's still positive and just slowly drip a little bit of negativity in there until it gets taken over. And I just always feel connected to LNL for continuing to challenge entities and to be aware that it's a crowded universe. And probably when they channel quo that both Yahweh and the negative Yahweh are there listening, attempting to give them messages that aren't in line with LNL's purpose. So the so-called prophets were often give mixed information, but the worst the Orion group could do was cause the prophets to speak of doom. As prophecy in those days was the occupation of those who love their fellow beings and wish to be of service to them and the creator. So you can see a lot of the prophets probably get a lot of people coming to them and they felt of great service of being positive, but they were slowly giving doomsday prophecies. And I wondered how, how could they have not decided that these messages weren't for the best interest. And Ross says that the Orion empire had an emissary that was of a fire nature and hidden by the cloud of day. It was to hide the vehicles in the sky, make it consonant with these entities concept of what we call the creator. Information was passed by thought transfer and by causing the fiery phenomena and other events to appear as being miraculous through the use of thought forms. Like see Moses leading the people out and getting information like you should go this way. Trust me. I'm good. Okay, how can I trust you? Oh, well, we'll make this cloud light up. And only the creator God could do that. And they would make the cloud light up and they could say, oh, okay, only a being so powerful that's talking to me, I would never disobey. And they followed the Orions and their negative message. So Jim also asked about Muhammad and... Quo says that the one known as Muhammad, Moses, Elijah, Nahum, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and all the other prophets have responded to the call of the entity, which we may call Yahweh, or the name of the creator that is too sacred. But Muhammad is the prophet of this one God. So our lesson, again, is that Yahweh discovered to its discomfiture, he had it had caused a great distortion a worse distortion than it would have been without the aid. The mistake is made one simply learns and moves forward. However, these people did crave and wish for a continuing source of, shall we say, God-given help. Its expectations were very high because there had been an interaction betwixt a godlike being and humans. Remarkable nature of this history speaks for itself. So it seems like Pretty much any time any superior being comes down, whether it be Ra in Egypt or Yahweh or even Jesus, it just seems like it is hard to have a superior being that can relay a loving message and not show off some sort of power. And when they do and they upset the free will, they leave and I guess humans think what did we do wrong? And they fight and do blood sacrifices to get the gods back. And it just hasn't seemed to work. So hopefully if we can use all these experiences to help out Uranus and once they get to third density, then maybe we'll give a better harvest to the sub logos there. So I, the addition of the sheen in the vanishing ritual that Carla, Donna, Jim used. The sheen was 
chosen by Yahweh to indicate the Christ consciousness after the negative Yahweh used their name to give those messages of doom and take over the positive Yahweh message. So it was as if Adam and Eve changed its name to Emmanuel, a move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That was a move from worth by being chosen people to worth by a certain level of consciousness, which was love. So when you vibrate the Yahweh, it was calling both positive and negative, but when they vibrated Yahweh Shin Vauhei, it called in the new and improved Yahweh. So moving to present day, and we've got these 16 cultures. Yahweh's made these mistakes 75,000 years ago, 3,300 years ago, and is still just kind of sitting, waiting, and hoping to see how things go. And I believe that they're within the inner planes still helping our planet. So the spirit of, of Yahweh is strong and it survives. It is a part of the mixture of light and dark, which makes up all that is. In other words, we are saying that entities continue to have a choice between the many laws of moral rectitude and such a logic as Yahweh's. The spirit was before the one known as Jesus the Christ. It exists as does Yahweh within each entity, for each of you is the universe. I believe this is just saying that we each have Yahweh or a bit of that DNA within us. And we each also have the ability to live from the heart like Jesus. So the murderer and the saint is within everyone. We have to consciously choose in this third density where we want to go. So the... Martians are known as the Muslims, Jewish, Palestinians, and other Middle Eastern heritage. All these populations are heavily larded with those originally from the planet Mars. As the population settled and began their cycles of reincarnation to gain experience and lessons of love, they spread out, becoming the populations that you now know as the Russian and Eastern Orthodox churches, the Christian church, and the Christian Protestant church, as opposed to the Christian Roman Catholic church. So what are those Amars doing these days? They are parking your cars, taking care of your children, and doing every other human thing you can think of. For there are millions and millions of those who come from Mars. They are, as are all of those within this third density at this time, striving to learn the lessons of love. Many of those who come from the red planet have earned the right to graduate into fourth density. They have achieved that shift from fear to love and from war to peace. There is no stigma in being from Mars any more than there is a stigma to anyone for being born with a certain genetic heritage. So just taking a step back and a reminder of gratitude to just be a part of this huge experiment with just 16 different planets trying to get along and five of them have war and fear consciousness and I think we're as a group trying to bring in that light to move into that fourth density as a harmonious planet. And I think we can do it, but I'm grad grateful to be alive and bringing about a hopefully more harmonious experience than on Mars. So had a little, meditation insight my last name is marx like i said my dad there on the left is jewish background family is just there's some snobby relatives uh, just very uncomfortable people to be around i didn't really like hanging around the jewish side of the family and my brother there on the right just super genius kind of didn't bully me physically, but definitely did a lot of things to break down my self-worth and character. And it just was so confusing to me growing up why my dad felt that he was better than other people. And my brother just felt that he could put me down. And it was just so confusing growing up. And it led to 
drinking and drugs and just the rough time in my early 20s. So I looked up my last name and it says that Marx is a Germanized form of the Jewish family name Mordecai. And then if you look a little bit farther down, it says, where does the name Marx originate from? German. Marx is the masculine name of German origin coming from the name Marcus. It translates to of Mars, forever connecting the baby to the Roman god of war. And I was like, okay, finally, I'm working on all this childhood stuff with my brother and my dad and confusion and anger. And I'm just like, okay, I, I have a little bit of compassion now. Maybe there's just this genetic bias within my dad and brother that just might not be their fault and they're they're trying to work on it. they're trying to find the unity in it but they have to work a little harder because of this yahweh mistake and if i trying to <laughs> see maybe maybe it means something but i found it very interesting that marx means of mars and i'm just you know working on this project intently trying to make sense of the whole yahweh topic so moving into the last part of what we can do in present day. And they say the energy of Muhammad, the energy of Allah, are equally energies of the masculine, towering, and authoritative nature. There was a time upon your sphere where this energy was appropriate, but that time is long past. You may observe figures that express the feminine energy, the one known as Jesus, Mary, and Kuan Yin. The feminine energy is all compassionate, all loving, all understanding, and all inclusive without the faculty of adhering judgment. So I find this interesting that Quo, and they've said this a couple times, that they see Jesus as one of the best prophetic figures to kind of live by that open hearted, no judgment, forgiving loving being instead of the more wise buddha or they say that our planet needs that open-hearted feminine energy so rather than embracing the power of the feminine principle the ability to create life in the womb and affection and joy christianity the jewish and islam religions have tended to demean and denigrate women denying them not only of their spirituality, but their worth as human beings. Indeed, the opposite needs to occur in terms of your globe, your globe's being able to spin itself out of the endless cycle of war and aggression that the unbridled sway of male energy has created within your earth world. So I would think of this as a good start of America potentially nominating a female president, I think that there could be some hope in if it's a legitimate, compassionate human being that that might be a way to unspin some of this male energy that's been going on for so long. So there have been several agrarian cultures that have flourished, beginning with what your people call Lemuria and moving into Europe as well as South America and Africa. The most recent of these cultures who are still active are the Society of Celtic Beings who were matriarchal in nature and saw the principle of Godhead as being feminine. And we would note that this feminine principle is so missing, so often missing and hungered for your culture at this time. And then here's a channeling that just says, um, Gary visited Asheville and asked, Quo, is there something different about Asheville? It just seems to be very loving and Quo says that, yes, indeed, there is something different about Asheville and the fact that there are groups gathering there to study the creator. It has created a fourth density-esque environment and there's the Asheville group there. So that was the presentation and... I am so thankful to be able to try to go over this with everyone and to hopefully bring some compassion to the diversity and kind of anger that we're seeing out there and more gratitude to 
being alive on this experimental planet. But yeah, I'm pretty burnt out and ready to open up if anyone wants to talk. Uh, I will. I got my hand up there. Uh, first of all, thank you, Neil. I thought the presentation has been edited in such a way that it was very understandable and uh, was a real, real addition to our, our thought forms. So th thank you so much for, for doing that. Um, and one of the things uh, that I, I didn't know is this, how they, they changed the banishing ritual and added the Shin phrase to distinguish it from the old Yahweh, which got contaminated by the Orion group. Well, uh, the, the bad guys are still doing that kind of thing. Uh, and I just wanted to tell a story about that. Um, I trained, uh, I, I, I think many of you know that I, I, I uh, worked with people who were recipients of satanic ritual abuse back in my practice days. And I always wished I could have done more for them. Um, and it turned out now I'm no longer working with anybody like that, but, but I ran across this group of deliverance ministers who, who were um, working with that same population, the satanic ritual abuse. And I said, you guys are in way over your heads, but it turns out they were pretty savvy. And um, uh, they had worked with enough of these people to just, first of all, to get clear on what, what was a demon versus what was an alter personality versus what was a core personality. And they were really sophisticated in, in the, the way they kept it all straight. And, and they had a, a very systematized way of going about uh, deliverance and, and healing of soul. But what the, one of the things they taught me was that some of the demon things that were trying to keep the chaos going named themselves Jesus Christ. So that when a deliverance minister or somebody came along and said, in the name of Jesus, I do thus and such and took authority and so forth like that. Well, this, this fake Jesus would come in and... <laughs> and uh try to kind of create chaos rather than have the results that that they would typically use or see if, if they just use something in the name of Jesus so what they began doing is they began referring to Jesus as Jesus Christ uh who came in the flesh they just sort of added some more traits to it to to distinguish it from what the tricky guys were, were, were trying to do. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Yeah, I think is what, the way they said it. And uh, and that all, that all kept the book straight and, and <laughs> allowed them to achieve with the, with the name of Jesus what they wanted to without uh, without the contamination. Just another parallel. So I'm just, just to say it's still going on today. So go figure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was wondering about the Hebrew part of the genetic cloning, genetic process. Like, how did that, that didn't really make sense to me on how the language was genetically imprinted, or I don't know if anyone understood that part. Uh, I'm going to give that a shot, but I also want to say, I think it would be great if next week we we can weigh in a little bit and um, I'd like to weigh in a little bit too, as to your presentation and then uh, just add a few things that I also think would be interesting. Um, not to say anything that you said is wrong. I think every, I learned a lot from you just, to, just wondering what your thoughts about some other things mm -hmm. that might be true too of Yahweh. Uh, but in terms of the Hebrew, the way I envision it, I don't know if it's right is, Hebrew might be might be a language that is more cosmic, that it's shared in larger areas and third density and maybe higher. 
and um, it would be something known in kind of a cosmic way, like a cosmic language that Yahweh then maybe genetically uh, arranged so that the bodies were biased to think of concepts within the vibratory uh, complexes of these sounds versus Sanskrit sounds like it might have been a natural earth type of language that was um, normal for earthlings to learn how to create syllables that would represent sacred things. So it was more of an earth specific. That might be how I understand it. What do you think? Yeah, Can like I they... jump in for a minute? Yeah. Hi, it's Pete DeSico. Hey, um, that, very interesting, because I have, you know, I've, I, it's interesting to see the, uh, the Western um, ideas here, because we, we're in the Western Hemisphere, and it's not talking so much about all the mythology that's in Asia, with the mm -hmm. Vedas and all that stuff. And they they have a whole con there's whole concepts there. It'd be interesting to see how they could tie into this. But but my understanding of of Sanskrit, and again, this is a beginner's understanding, is that there's the idea in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And so the Sanskrit sounds are the vibrations of the creator. From that point of view, it's very um, primordial but they're basically the vibrational form of something. Whether that's true or not, I don't, I don't know. But that, And basically it applies to everything. You know, Sanskrit was an original language, but basically this is a model where consciousness, you know, is not separate from the material world, where, um, you know, the sound and the intention has the form of something. And so that's where, let's say, Jesus created, you know, you know, man, the idea of manifestation and creating is there. But that's how Sanskrit is. And I, I also, and I'll, I won't get into this now, maybe I'll give a presentation because I have studied Vedic astrology a lot. You know, all the sounds also can relate to planets. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting. Like Ma Mars, which is known as Mongol in, um, in Sanskrit. Has a, any Mars mantras or 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 uh, any Mars you know sounds have a guttural type of quality to them? And ironically, Germany and Japan, which have been both real warrior um, cultures, are guttural languages. Mm -hmm. And so, anyhow, we'll leave it at that. There, there's so much that's here that could be unpacked. It's fast. You brought it up with your presentation. Thank you. Yeah, well, again, so thankful to have a place to talk about this and looking forward to next week. But yeah, I just think that the whole destruction of Mars is played out throughout our planet. And it seems like where we are, the United States has the ability to cause the most destruction or we have a lot of power and to be incarnate awake forming groups and i think this group connecting with asheville and there's others throughout the united states we're forming this web and kind of beginners building block after the original trio delivered the law of one we are the next building block for the fourth density so this act of creation like tonight and every week is huge and means a lot to me so I'll leave it at that. And thanks again. We're building forth. <laughs> fourth density. <laughs> <laughs>